So again, uh, no sermon notes for you this morning, so we're just going to kind of dive in. If you have your Bibles, Hebrews uh, chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 4 and read through verse 14. And the Word of God says, uh, So he, <clears throat> talking about Jesus, became as much superior to the angels as the name that he has inherited. Now that word became there is a big word. Uh, and, and we'll explain that in a little bit, but there's some people that, that have thought this is, this is begotten, that Jesus, uh, was somehow created, that, that, that he didn't always exist, and that's not the case. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but it's, it, he became as much superior to the angels as to their name as he inherited is superior to theirs. Uh, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have become your father. Again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, uh, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels winds, uh, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So our lesson this morning is straightforward is Jesus is better than the angels. We've been kind of walking through Hebrews, seeing how Jesus is better. And, and that is our lesson. Jesus is better than the angels. But we're going to frame it. Sometimes I'll do this with a banner statement. And that's a statement that's going to kind of help us understand the context of this passage. It's going to help this passage come alive for us and help it make sense for us. And so here's how we're going to frame our conversation this morning. We're going to frame it with this truth. You and I are made to worship, but we usually bow down to the wrong things. Okay? You and I are made to worship, but we usually bow down to the wrong things. Another way to say that is that we are prone to idolatry. Right? We're, we're prone to idolatry. Now, the, the Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. In Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 25, he says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and they served the created things rather than the Creator. Okay? And, and, and guys, that, that, that's idolatry. And if you read Romans 1, you, re, you read about the devastating consequences of that kind of lifestyle as it unravels there in Romans chapter 1. And, 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 and that's, that's the warning uh, that we'll kind of lay before us uh, this morning. It, it's idolatry. It's idolatry. Now, what is idolatry then? Idolatry, the simplest form I can give you, idolatry is bowing down um, to, 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 to the wrong thing. Idolatry is bowing down to the wrong thing. Another way to say it is idolatry is any time that we, uh, we take something, something that may even be good, and we exalt it to a place that it doesn't deserve. Right? Anytime we take something, even something that's good, and we elevate it to a place that it doesn't deserve, that's idolatry. And the problem is, guys, is that we struggle with this all the time, don't we? And, and, and you just think of the commonalities in our world that we struggle with today. Guys, we, we take our family. 
Right? We take our loved ones, our spouses even. And, and many times, you know, people that have elevated their spouse, they'll, they'll, they'll say things about them like, you know, well, 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 my wife or my husband, they're just the most important person in, in, in my world. I don't know. I'd be lost without them. Right. And it's not that they're not a great gift from God. They are. But you have to be careful. Let's not elevate them to that number one spot. It's OK if your spouse is number two and your kids are number three. I think that's biblical. Okay, but they shouldn't be number one and we have to be careful. We can do this with our job, can't we? Because after all, we live in a real world and you got to pay real bills with real money. And and so we elevate the importance of jobs. We see this in our education system now where we have elevated the role of education. Why do we stress education so much with our kids? Because we want them to graduate and go do what? Get a good job. And so we're raising up generations of kids with this expectation that they've got to get a good education so that they can go get a good job so that they can pay all their bills. And we wonder, well, wait a second, son, wait a second, daughter, where's Jesus in that equation? Would it not be more worthwhile if you went and spent your life on the kingdom of God and you were in in, in our world's eyes considered poor, but God considered you rich? Wouldn't your reward be much greater? But we don't emphasize that. We don't emphasize that. We elevate our love of freedom, don't we? We elevate our our right to bear arms. We elevate our love of our country, you know, America, because we can't say the A anymore because we're lazy. Come on, just say the A, okay? We're done with America. America, that's what all the songs say. Ah. It's not America, the beautiful. It's it's uh, it's America, the beautiful. Just you know, it's going to be okay. Uh, we elevate our country. We elevate our, our political stance. We, 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 we elevate, uh, we, we elevate uh, even our convictions uh, of our faith. Now, and guys, I'm not talking about the gospel. I'm just talking about our convictions, right? What are our convictions? Well, that you should come to church dressed a certain way. Right. Or that you should read a certain kind of uh, translation of the Bible or that you should um, do a certain thing with your hands during worship or not do a certain thing or that you should uh, play certain kinds of music. And so we elevate our convictions. And the problem when we elevate things and we give them a place that they don't deserve is we become passionate about all kinds of things so much to the point that we're really we're ready to go to battle over all those things. Now, early on in ministry, I had a good friend pull me aside and he said, Jason, you need to be careful uh, and choose your cross wisely. And I was like, what? He said, choose your cross in ministry wisely because we're all going to pick battles. But one day you got to be careful because if you try to pick everything and make everything a cross, they're going to crucify you on one of them. He said, pick your battles wisely. See, the problem with idolatry, guys, is when we elevate things to places that they don't deserve, we're ready to go to battle over all of those things. And if we're ready to do that, if if you ever sense yourself getting heated over something that in truth is not really the gospel, if you ever sense yourself getting just angry, wanting to yell, wanting to hurt somebody, then maybe that's a sign that you too have, have done this. You've elevated something to a point that it... It doesn't deserve. And guys, our audience, um, those that are receiving this great book of Hebrews, they've done that. They're just like us. They've elevated things. They struggle with this too. And specifically, remember, they're thinking about returning to, to Judaism. And Judaism has done this with the law of God. See, Judaism has made the law an idol. 
They, they, they've taken the law of God, they've, they, they've taken the word of God, and, and they've added to it. In fact, they had this book called the Talmud, and it was basically a collection of all the teachings uh, based off the law. And so rabbis would, would study the law, and then they would say this, 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 and this, and they'd write those down. And then somebody would study, and they this, 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 and they'd write this down, and they would add all these together. So much so that when the Talmud was done, they came up with 613 commandments that they had to keep. Guys... I, I, I struggle with ten. You know what I'm saying? I don't even do one well. I don't even do one well. And, and, and 613, and, and their goal in life became, I'm going to keep as many of these commands as possible, and I'm going to be righteous. And they ended up missing God because they elevated the law, right? If you want to know how bad it was, if you look at the fourth commandment, which, which talks about a day of rest. It's keeping the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. For that one command of Scripture, they developed 39 categories of law. And each of those categories had several prohibitions. Things that you couldn't do in those 39 categories with one commandment. Judaism elevated the law. Now here's the deal. The law was good. The law was meant to point them to God. God was the goal, but they made the law the goal. And instead of seeking God, they just sought to follow rules. And they ended up missing God altogether. And there's a word in there for us. There's a warning in there for us. Because you and I are made to worship, but we often bow down to the wrong things. We often elevate the wrong things in life. And so... Uh, Follow me here. Because the law was elevated, because the law was elevated and it became their, their idol, they, they elevated everything having to do with the law. So they elevated the role of the prophets. Because after all, the prophets handed down the word of God. They elevated the, the role of Moses. Moses, you know, they're like, Father Abraham, yeah, but Moses is our daddy, right? I mean, they're like, Moses is the one. He's the giver of the law. He's the giver of the, the, the old covenant. I mean, this is the covenant that God's made with us. Here it is. And, 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 and Moses up on the mountain. And, and I mean, Moses, Moses, Moses. They elevated the role of priest. Because after all, I mean, they're the ones that have to give all the sacrifices, which elevates the role of the temple. I didn't even put that on there. And they elevated the role of angels because, get this, this is what they believed, that the law was given by God to Moses and delivered through angels. Delivered through angels. So much so that when the New Testament is written, that's kind of the prevailing thought. We get that when we look at Galatians in the book of Acts. So Galatians 3.19 says this, Paul's writing, he says, Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given, get this, through angels and entrusted to a mediator. You probably have read that passage before and never caught that little through angels part, right? Acts uh, 7, Stephen's about to be stoned and he's kind of defending himself before they kill him. He says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but you haven't obeyed it. And so you see, because this is the case and because this is what they understand about how the law was handed down, they've taken the roles of angels and they've elevated them to a point that when this letter is written, there are actually Jewish people that are worshiping angels. They're actually bowing down to angels, which if you read the book of Revelation, you know that angels won't allow worship. As John wanted to bow down to an angel and the angel said no. 
We're, we're fellow servants, you and I. I'm not to be worshipped, okay? And, and, and so that's our audience. That's what's going on. And in the midst of this, our author of Hebrews pauses and he points to Jesus and he declares, you know what? Jesus is better. Jesus is higher. Jesus is the one to be worshipped and exalted, not the law and not angels that gave it. And so uh, we're going to talk about uh, why Jesus is better this morning and why he's better than angels. But to do that, we need to know a little something about angels. So again, it'd be helpful if I gave you sermon notes, but you don't have them. So here's what you do. Tomorrow, you log on to our website, fbcelgin.org. You go to the sermon page and we'll have the sermon up. And you can click on notes and you can download all of these PowerPoint slides. And there will be the most complete set of notes you've ever taken in church, okay? And uh, that'll be our gift to you. They're actually there every week, by the way, in case you're... Never fill in all the blanks. Uh, but here we go. So this is uh, Wayne Grudem, the guy that wrote the book on systematic theology, literally. Uh, this is how he defines an angel. He says angels are created spiritual beings. Um, they are created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, but without physical bodies. Okay? Created spiritual beings, moral judgment, high intelligence, but without physical bodies. That leaves me wanting a little bit. So then we turn to the scripture. We say, what do the scriptures say about angels? Well, here's what the scriptures say. Scriptures say that angels are real. They are real. They really, really, really exist. Uh, It says that all of them were made at the same time. Angels don't procreate. They don't marry. We'll get to that in a second. So all the angels were literally created at at one time. Uh, It also says, guys, they are all very powerful. There's no wimpy angels. Like, that's not how it works. The angels have great power. You read the Old Testament, you read of armies being wiped out by a single angel, okay? These guys are really powerful. Uh, But here's the deal. Though they have power, they are finite. They are finite. And and in fact, that means that they're not like God. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere and in everything. But they are not. Angels can only be in one place at one time. That's it. Okay, they cannot be everywhere. All right, Uh, they are numerous. How numerous? Tens uh, of thousands of tens of thousands. Like I mean, it's it's like multiplication crazy math. I mean, numerous number, tons of angels. Tons. God made tons of angels. And then there was war in heaven, according to the scriptures. And a third of those angels, led by Lucifer, were cast down to earth. Okay, they were cast out of heaven. and, and we don't like to refer to them as angels anymore. We now call them demons, but they're fallen angels. Still powerful, but still finite. Still finite, right? Now, again, angels don't marry, all right? I'm not trying to make you laugh, but your grandma, grandma's not one of them, okay? All the angels were made at one time. So granny was good, but when she passed, she didn't get a set of wings to come be your guardian angel, Because all angels were made at one time, created by God. They don't have physical bodies. They never had physical bodies. They're always spiritual beings. Uh, Not grandma. Grandma grandma is, is, I I believe, Hebrews 11. The saints are looking down. They're cheering you on. But grandma's not your guardian angel, okay? Didn't get a set of wings. Doesn't have angelic abilities. Uh, Jesus wasn't one either, right? Some people, uh, in fact, Jehovah's Witness say that Jesus isn't really God. Uh, They would say that he is the the, uh, archangel Michael. Uh, Well, that's not in there. That's not biblical. Uh, And so here's what we know. According to the Bible, angels exist to minister to God and minister to us and to help protect us in unseen battles that are being waged all around us. Battles being waged all around us. And this is what angels are. And so, guys, here's here's the summation of that. 
Angels are good. Well, I mean, the good ones are, right? I mean, you follow me, right? The demons, bad ones, they've been casted. But angels, the ones that the Jews would think of as angels, they're really good. But here's what they did. They, 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 they took good, powerful protectors and they elevated them to a status that they didn't deserve so much so that they began to worship them. And so it's to this audience that the writer of Hebrews delivers this message. And he says, no, listen, angels are good, but hear me, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And I'll give you three very quick reasons this morning. First and foremost, Jesus is better according to our text because he has a better name and a better rank. Because he has a better name and a better rank Starting in verse 4, it says, So he became as much superior to the angels as the name that he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And you have verse 6, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Jesus has a better name and a better rank. Now, now our audience would be very familiar with any Old Testament writings. One of the books they'd be very familiar with is the book of Job. In the book of Job, in Job 1, 7, 2, 1, and 38, uh, 7, uh, there's reference to angels. And they give angels a very specific title in the book of Job in those three passages of Scripture. And the title that, that angels are called in, in those three passages of Scripture, get this, sons of God. Lowercase s, sons of God. Now, so, so the Jews, our audience, you, you're thinking, uh, just think with me now. I mean, uh, they, they, angels are a big deal, right? The, the angels have given them their precious law. The old covenant has come, through, has come through their angels. So, so listen, they, they're very high in rank. It's God, and then it's the angels that gave them, and then it's the prophets, right? I mean, the angels are up there because they're the ones that gave the prophets. So they're way up there in rank. They're, they're really, really important. And, and, and listen to their name. They're called sons of God. And the writer of Hebrews stops and says, you know what? They may be called sons of God, but I tell you, Jesus' name is better because he is the son of God. He's not lowercase s. He's, he's not, there's not multiple of him. There's not a whole bunch of them that were created at one time. There is one son of God. His name is Jesus and he's better than the angels. And so they begin there. And then, and then he begins to point to his rank, right? And again, so, so in their mindset, they've got God and angels and then prophets. And then, you know, and you go down and think angels are really elevated. And so what do they say here? Well, that's what verse six is about. Verse six, it, it literally says, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world and, and all kinds of cults have taken this verse and they've made it to mean that somehow Jesus was, was begotten. There was a time that he did not exist. This was the earliest controversy in the church, the area's controversy. And, and so we kind of get into this and we say, well, a couple of things. One, uh, that, that's not the wording there. Even though the King James says begotten, that's not what it, what it says. It says he became. This is about Christ becoming the God-man. He was always eternal. And, and, and what does he become? He becomes the firstborn. Well, what does that mean? Doesn't that insinuate that somehow he didn't exist? Well, we know that Jesus came and he was, he was born here on earth. And, and, and he became the God-man forever, right? Those two things unified, fully God, fully man. We know that those things happen. So here's the deal. The cool thing about this title, firstborn, it does not always just mean born. 
it was a title that they used to, to use to refer to rank. In fact, if, if you ever look up Solomon, you study the life of Solomon, you look at the, uh, the lineage of David, it says that in the lineage of David that Solomon was David's tenth son. Tenth. But according to the word of God, he is the firstborn of David. How is that? Now, in the lineage, in the Bible, he's tenth. But God calls him the firstborn. Why? Because he is the heir of David's throne. Why? Because he has a higher rank than all the rest. Why? Because his status is elevated above all the rest. Why? Jesus is higher in rank than the angels. That's what our author is saying. That's what our author is saying. He's saying, listen, he's got a better name and he's got a better rank. That's the first reason that Jesus is better than the angels. That you guys are thinking about going back to worshiping. Number two. It's not only that, but Jesus is enthroned and he's worshipped. Jesus is enthroned and he's worshipped. Verse 8 and 9, it says, But about the sons, or about the son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness, hated wickedness, therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Okay, And, And so again, we're trying to understand these angels um, turn with me to Isaiah chapter six for a moment. Again, another we're trying to we're trying to camp in the Old Testament so we can understand uh, where these guys are coming from. This is a passage they'd be super familiar with. Isaiah chapter six, um, starting in verse one, and it's going to talk about um, one of the types of angels here. It says, "In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple." Above him were seraphs. Now, that's a type of angel. That's one of the types that's mentioned. This is each with um, six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. And with two, they, they, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So God is on his throne. The angels are literally just flying around him constantly, crying out and praising and worshiping God, saying, Holy, holy, holy. This is what they're doing, right? They're ministering. They're worshiping God. They're worshiping the one that's seated on the throne. This is is what they do. Revelation talks about this here. Uh, it says, Revelation 7:11. all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worship God. All right. So, so here's the deal. Angels, uh, angels literally are, are around the throne and they're worshiping God. Well, guess what, friends? Jesus is on the throne. Right? They're around the throne. Jesus is on it. They're worshiping, and Jesus is the one that they're worshiping. You following me? He's saying, listen, Jesus is better. I'm not saying that angels aren't good. I'm not saying that they're not powerful. I'm not saying that God didn't use them. But I'm telling you that they worship Jesus. That he's better. That he's better. Lastly, author of Hebrews says Jesus is better than the angels because he's creator and king. Because he's creator and king. And we're back in Hebrews 1 again. Ah, verse 10 through 14. says, he also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. All these are Old Testament quotes, by the way. Uh, taking uh, from the Septuagint. Um, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. And uh, the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same. 
and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And again, the message is is very simple. Angels are created. Jesus is creator. Angels are servants. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Guys, what do we do when we come across a passage like this that's kind of just randomly put to us, and you say, well, I, Pastor, I, I don't worship angels. I mean, that doesn't, that, that's crazy talk. Like, that, that has nothing to do with me. I, I just want to challenge you uh, just a little bit this morning. I think it might have a little more to do with you than you think. And so I'll give you a little bit of application, and we'll dismiss this morning. Here, here's first and foremost. Um, guys, it is our job to worship Jesus. And so I would say, hail Jesus as king. Some of, some of you here, and we have guests every single weekend, uh, and we're so glad for that, but some of you have never accepted Jesus Christ as, as king. And he is, and that is his rightful place. And friends, there will come a day that, 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 that with bold proclamations and the heavens will, 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 will literally um, rip open and, and, and New Jerusalem is going to come and, and, and there's going to be judgment and Jesus is going to be enthroned just like we read today. And it says that every single knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But the problem with that is at that point, they're already divided. At that point, the sheeps are on one side and the goats are on the other and, and, and only the sheeps get to be with Jesus. And what I'm saying is you need to be a sheep, brother. That's what I'm saying. And the only way you can be a sheep is when you, you declare Jesus is king, right? This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. If I'll confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I'm going to be saved. And this is how I enter into salvation. This is why the angels have come to to minister to those that are going to be saved. The reason you're protected from so many things you don't see in life is that God has a plan for you. And that plan for you is that you worship him. And so for that to happen, you've got to proclaim that Jesus is king. And we start there. And I just ask a very simple question. You know, you've got all those shirts with the crown on them. Keep calm and do whatever. I ask you a deeper question. I don't care what kind of T-shirt or thing you have on Facebook. Who's wearing the crown in your life? Crown him king. He's the only one that should be wearing a crown. Not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your employer. Is he the king of your life? Hail him king. Okay, two. This is the heart for, for, for most of us here. And get your priorities straight. I, I know that's probably a little offensive, the way I put that and word that. I'm not trying to offend you. It just happens naturally. Ah, joking, joking. Um, but sometimes it does. But I want to implore you to put things in the proper place. Um, this, is, this is the heartbeat, guys. What is idolatry? It's when we bow down to the wrong things. It's when we take things that are even good things and we exalt them to places that they don't deserve to be. And when you read a passage like this and you say, well, that's just silly that that, that he would even have to say, don't worship angels. It's silly that you would have to make an argument for Jesus being better than the angels. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is better than the cowboys, too. And he's better than soccer for your kids. And he's better than t-ball. And he's better than gymnastics. And he's better than your job. And he's better than any college that your kids will go to. Jesus is better than all of it. He's better than your house. He's better than your car. He's better than a boat. Jesus is better than all of it. And he deserves the highest priority in our lives. That's what it means to be a Christian. That Christ reigns supreme. That's it. 
That's the heart of it. And I stand before you as an idol worshiper confessing that all too often I take insignificant things and I raise them up to places of they're just silly. And I do it with my kids and I hate it about myself. And I think you do too. How many of you are guilty that from your kids' eyes, all they've ever heard from you is that they're not good enough? You never told them that, but but they came home with an 88 and you said, don't you think you could have got a 95? Or, or, or you said, honey, you know what? You really need what they heard from you is that money is the most important thing in the world. Because you said you really got to focus in school, baby, because you got to go to college and then you got to go to college so you can get a good job. Well, but dad, what if I love Jesus? And I pick up trash for a living during the day. And I go out and I tell strippers about Jesus at night. What about that? What if I choose to spend my life living in a small apartment on a meager income, eating Taco Bell? And I spend my life away sharing the gospel with every person I come across. Would that be enough, Dad? Or do I need to go to A&M? You see... We take things that are good. Guys, education is good. I want my kids to be knowledgeable. But we take a good thing and we elevate it to a place that it does not deserve to be. Where we make it reign supreme. And there's only one thing that deserves to be there. And his name is Jesus. And that should be our aim too. That in our life when our kids look at us they say, Well, what was mom or dad about? What were they about? And they look at mom or dad and they say, well, they did a lot of things, but you know what they were about? They were about Jesus. That's what they were about. I fear sometimes my kids are going to think I was about sports. I was about my phone. I was about Facebook. I was about education. I was about money. It's called idolatry and we must repent of it. Get your priorities straight, people. Pastor included. Here's the last one. Serve him. Powerful message in the book of Revelation as John tries to bow down to the angel and the angel says to him, no, no, no. We are fellow servants. Friends, the angels exist to serve God. And so do you. So what are you waiting on? What are you doing? Why why do we have to beg to try to get extra children's church workers? Why do we have to plead for nursery workers? Why do we why do we have to beg? We we just need we need a few cars and some candy so that we can minister to the community. We need somebody that can tie balloons for fall festival or for, for Hawkeye. We need, it's, it's begging and pleading. 20% of the people in the church do most of the work. The 80% were consumers. Why? Because we're not doing what we're created to do. What is that? Serve God. Serve God. Whatever your gifting is. I love the fact, you know, we have a quilters ministry now. I'm looking at Charlene. Came to me, Pastor, I love to quilt. Can Jesus do anything with that? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. People love quilts. Like, I, I love quilts. I got a quilt on my couch. I like a little t-shirt thing. I put that sucker on. It's my favorite thing. Although now we got a new little knitted thing. And my favorite thing is in with the towels anyway in the guest bathroom. It's okay. It's coming back out because it's getting cold. Just deal with it. It doesn't match anything. I don't care. Yeah. God will use that. What can you do? God will use it. God will use it, I promise, all right? Pray with me this morning. Father, um, we thank you for being good. We thank you.